All right, sound is speeding. We are recording. Cool. All right, let's begin. Either they don't know, don't show, I don't care about what's going on in the hood. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Adventures in Black Cinema, your passport to black film. My name is Desmond Thorne, and I will be your host and your film aficionado for the day. Before we begin today's show, I would like to give a special shout out to Miss Niecy Nash on her nuptials. To Jessica Betts, I am so, so proud of Miss Niecy Nash for marrying the love of her life. And I'm very happy that Niecy Nash is like part of the fam. I did not know. I believe this was also not only her wedding, but her kind of coming out to the world, which I love and appreciate. Uh, Niecy Nash is one of my faves working currently. If you haven't watched her in the HBO show Getting On, you are missing out out completely and you need to get on it. She is also amazing in the recent Netflix film Uncorked. So just give it up for her, show her some love. And in showing her love, it makes me think of these kinds of love patterns that I have been kind of, you know, trying to suss out during this time of quar, some discoveries that I have made and some ways in which to deal with these discoveries, you know, trying to do some inner child meditations and kind of just finding out where this anxiety and this tendency toward codependency, where that comes from, um... And, you know, just like doing the work. I feel like one must heal before they get married. And I believe that, you know, Niecy Nash, she seems healed, you know? I don't think you can ever rely on another person to heal you. I guess in theory you could do it together, but that sounds really taxing. And if that's what a relationship is, I guess it's just not for me. I'm sorry. I guess it's just not for me. Um, but it's so appropriate that we're talking about love today and all these things about love, all these love teens, because this week's episode is called Adventures in Art and Amour, and we're getting into the nitty gritty of Love Jones. But first, a trust and believe. So if you're new to the show, Trust and Believe is a segment in which I put you on to a film that is a hidden gem, let's say, a a diamond in the rough, if you will. Um, And this is a film that I want to put you on to because I want you to see it and I want you to check it out and I want to kind of spread the wealth in terms of a lot of these really good black 
independent films. So this week's Trust and Believe is a film called Losing Ground. It's from 1982 and it was directed by Kathleen Collins. Um, This film was one of the first feature films directed by a black woman. Uh, It is about a popular philosophy professor named Sarah Rogers who begins to grow at odds with her successful painter artist husband named Victor, who's played by Bill Gunn, who was also a prolific filmmaker. Um, When Victor decides that they should rent a house for the two of them outside of the city so that he can get some painting done, this is kind of the inciting incident and what kind of like shakes the ground or shakes the table a little bit in their relation. You have a husband? Yes. He used to be an abstract painter and now he only wants to paint I am a genuine success! Your husband is a genuine luck! Success. As he's getting all his paintings done and like doing his thing, he begins to fall in love with the woman that he's painting, which obviously like throws up some red flags for Sarah. She starts to feel a type of way, as we all would, especially as I would being a Scorpio. So Sarah sneaks away to get her research done. Like that's what she wants to do. That is her life. She goes to the city to clear her head of the situation. And also she stars in a student film directed by one of her former students that mirrors the relationship experience that she's going through while also meeting a man who plays her counterpart in the film who seems to be able to satisfy her mind and her soul more than her husband. This is such a dope exploration of post-collegiate black thought, life, and love, and also connects to the film that we're talking about today, Love Jones. We are dealing with a lot of artists in this film. You know, Sarah's husband being an artist, Sarah's um, mother being an actress, and also, you know, Sarah dipping her toes into the waters of acting herself and doing a fucking great job at it. And the film within a film aspect of this is such a dope device to explore kind of what's going on in her inner life. And it ends up being like very, very cathartic for her. Uh, The relationship dynamics displayed in this film feel very real. And it's so dope to see a character with such a strong sense of agency as Sarah. And she's fucking smart. Everyone in this movie is smart. Uh, the conversations that the people around the couple and the couple themselves have in this film feel so much like my parents and their friends when they had like dinner parties and had little kikis and all that shit like that when I was growing up. And um, it's really great to see a film about black people just living. I love these slice of life black films. Uh, it really is um, always important to show the struggle and strife that we go through as a people. And it's also important to just see us living our fucking lives and going through um, things that literally everyone 
goes through, you know? Of course, there is a spin on it, and it has our own textures and our own feelings and our own history, but it isn't about, you know, violence or an extreme struggle of all of our people, you know? And I love these slice-of-life movies because they're also at the same time not ignoring our history, but it don't gotta be all slave movies and all movies about police brutality. It just... It's the truth. Um, And that's probably why this film never got released theatrically while Kathleen was alive. Kathleen Collins, the director of Losing Ground, ended up passing away in 1988. And this film did not receive an official theatrical release until 2015 when the film was restored by Kathleen's daughter, Nina, and then was released on Blu-ray and DVD by Milestone Films in 2016. Definitely check out this film. It's so wonderful, so layered. It's also pretty short. It's like an hour, 20-something minutes. And at the end, you're just going to be like, Whoa, wowzers. OMG, loved it. It is now streaming on the Criterion channel. Check it out. You are here for one reason. One reason only. To learn. To learn. So, let's get into the nitty-gritty of Love Jones, shall we? Love Jones was released in 1997. It was directed by Theodore Witcher. And if you don't know about Love Jones, if you've never seen it, if you've never heard of it, let me give you a little summary. Love Jones is about a poet named Darius Lovehall, played by Lorenz Tate, gorgeous. And Darius meets a photographer named Nina Mosley, played by Nia Long. Love her. Duh. And they meet at the jazz and poetry nightclub that Darius frequently performs at and kicks it with the homies at. When he recites a poem that he's written for Nina right on the spot, sparks fly and they quickly begin a relationship. The problem is... Nina just got out of a long relationship with a fuck nigga who looks like Stefan Urkel from Family Matters, but is a dick. It's the bigger love of the family. And Darius has some deep-seated doubts about love, which causes conflict in what becomes an on-again, off-again relationship between the two of them. At the same time, Darius's friends have their own issues with love as well, and we get to explore those. We get to see love from a lot of different angles in this film. This film also stars Isaiah Washington, who, gotta say, like, when you watch Isaiah Washington on camera, you just like, damn, this dude is, like, listening. He is listening to every word, every nuance. He's a listener. Uh, Bill Bellamy is in this movie and also Lisa Nicole Carson is in this movie giving a lovely performance as Nina's BFF. So some fun facts about this movie. Uh, The role of Nina was originally written for Jada Pinkett Smith, which is super interesting because I can definitely see her playing in this role. I don't think I would prefer her per se. It would be definitely different. And um, it's definitely something that she could have handled. But I love Nia Long in this movie. 
Um, and I'm glad that she is the one who ended up doing it. Everything works out for a reason. Another fun fact, this is the only feature film written and directed by Theodore Witcher, which is kind of a pattern that you see often with a lot of black filmmakers. It's really crazy to see all these black filmmakers make these amazing films and they're kind of like one and done. And this is, like I said, a pattern that you see with black filmmakers quite specifically and also sometimes with women as well and especially black women filmmakers like Julie Dash, who directed Dars of the Dust and Leslie Harris, who directed Just Another Girl in the IRT. These films are amazing. You may not know them off the top of your head just by me saying them, but when you see them, you would watch these movies and say, why the fuck haven't these people directed another movie again? And this is because of the racial bias that Hollywood has. If these movies are not uber fucking successful, then they don't get the second chance oftentimes that these white dudes do who will make a trash ass movie and then their second film will be like the biggest fucking budget movie that you've ever seen and it'll be part of a franchise or some shit. And they continue to get these chances like, you know, The Hangover wasn't necessarily trash, but that dude just got nominated for a Best Directing Oscar for directing Joker. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. This is the kind of shit that happens with white directors, specifically white male directors, and there's such a racial bias in Hollywood. Whew. That was the end of that rant. Uh, But it's a pattern you'll see again and again and again. And I do not believe, unless it is his own choice, that this should not be this man's only film. Okay. So, and the last fun fact for this film is that the ending was originally different. It was more ambiguous with Nina waiting in the rain for Darius after the scene in the club where she reads his poem back to him, the one that he wrote about her. I much prefer the ending that they went with, and I'm very glad that they put this film in front of a lot of uh, test audiences with women because they unanimously felt that the original ending was not good. So thank you for including women in those test screenings, as you absolutely should. And thank you to those women for being like... Change the fucking ending. Yes, because we get a beautiful one instead, which I will talk about at some point in the episode. So um, my first experience with this film was actually watching it for the podcast. I saw this film on Monday uh, when I told Amanda... Uh, A few months ago, we were having some sort of a call, and I mentioned that I had never seen Love Jones before. And she's like, what? You've never seen Love Jones? Like, she was so aghast and so flabbergasted, as many people are, if I were to mention that I hadn't seen it, um, of people who had seen it. They had that reaction because it's so good. Um, And now I understand that. I had definitely heard of this movie before, 
it was not a box office hit, but it definitely gained a lot of steam later on. And I feel like it's very popular in our community. I feel like it's quoted and referenced a bunch. So I am so glad that I finally got to see it. And I'm also really glad that I ended up watching it during this time where I am kind of exploring my own past with love and my future with love and kind of doing the work to make it a better experience Ah! so we'll see what happens we'll see what happens but uh, the art aspect of the movie Um, so I love that both of these characters are artists and that they bond over art in different forms of art. Uh, the poetry in this movie is beautiful. Darius's poetry is just, it is incredible. Um, Nina's photography is beautiful. And so, of course, they bond over these two things, the talent that each other has, but also they bond over, like, literature and also uh, movies, I think they talk about for a little bit, possibly. But they definitely, definitely bond over music. Uh, There are scenes in which the way Darius kind of courts Nina is through playing a record. And I think that is fucking sexy. Like that is some shit that I would absolutely do. Um, It also made me really miss um, CD stores. There is definitely a record store not too far away from me. That I go to sometimes, but a lot of times I'll buy my records online because I can get better prices for them, etc. But I do love to support an independent record store. Um, so I do go there sometimes. Um, but the, you know, those like mega stores like Sam Goody and FYE and Coconuts. If you know, you know. Um, I just miss those days of like going and browsing through CDs and then like checking with the person at the counter and like asking if they can order something for me, which is how (laughs) Darius gets Nina's address because Darius's friend works at the CD store and he cops her address from her. Um, So the record thing happens in that scene. He plays a record for her at the CD store. And then also there's a scene later on where after Darius and Nina get back together um, at a certain point, they go on a date and Nina basically says she does not want to not necessarily spoil the night, but she does not want to, I guess, tarnish it or make it less of a strictly love and no lust thing by having sex. So she sets a boundary after that date and asks Darius if he can sleep on the couch, which, you know, he's very annoyed by and sexually frustrated by. And she is too. Like, she begins to masturbate and he almost does as well. And, um... He, his frustration builds and he goes to sneak up into her bedroom and you think he's going to do that so he can like sneak into bed and have sex with her or something like that. But he doesn't. He goes up and asks her if he can play a record for her. Oh my God. How sexy. And they slow dance to it. It is so beautiful. I mean, this is how I love to connect with people. I love to connect with people through art, through music, 
movies, literature, visual art, literally anything, any kind of art. If you want to go to a museum and you cute, let's do it. Um, so I really, 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 really loved that about this movie. And I really felt a part of myself in the uh, courting aspect and how, you know, Darius does make those moves. Um it also, the fact that, you know, Darius does write a poem for Nina made me remember this time where a guy wrote a song about me once and he sang it to me over a voicemail. I think I still have it somewhere. It was very sweet. It was very, very sweet. And it is a memory that I'll kind of think back on a lot. I don't know what it meant in the long run because I can't see the future, but I will say it has not amounted to uh, that much at this point. I don't know. I'm not going to give y'all all that tea because it's steaming hot. But something else about the art in this movie that I love is that I love that both Darius and Nina are actually really great artists. They are like masters of their craft. Um, a lot of films about artists, you're watching them become great. And this movie starts with them both being great. And I just love that. Cut the fat, make these people talented, because why not? You know, seeing black artists on film is always such a great reminder of how great we are at all of the arts, all the disciplines, because we are renaissance people, and how great that we've been at art throughout time. It is such a beautiful, like, modern homage to that and you know as an artist myself I have to say that this movie does a really good job of portraying the fact that sometimes it's really hard to love and be loved as an artist um, a lot of artists we do have uh, tortured souls I think that's very accurate especially people who create um, who can really dig deep and go to those places and really you know, discuss the things that actually affect them in an emotional way and kind of what goes through their head every day. It's not the easiest headspace to be in at all times, and it's not the easiest headspace to be around. And when you're dating someone who's also an artist, it's like a double whammy. I mean, we get very emotionally involved in what we're working on, um, building and working on our craft and uh, other people that we're working with as well. Um, there's also a sense of if you're both artists, there's like a little bit of competition unless you're both healed. And if you're healed, bless you. I wish you all the best. But most motherfuckers ain't healed. And there is something of a competitive nature of when you're both artists that can be a little tough. Like... It's really interesting that there are moments where Darius is really like on his flow and writing a bunch. And it doesn't really seem like Nina is taking a lot of photos or really doing much of anything. And that is something that can happen and it can really fuel a lot of feelings and thoughts that are negative um, against the other person that you are with. And our lives are not so cut and dry. It's not like you know, go to work, come home, go to work, come home, weekends off. It's such a different lifestyle. And sometimes people 
don't understand that. And um, it's a tough life. It's a tough life we've chosen. It is a thug life that we've chosen, and we soldier on. Um, This movie being called Love Jones, there's lots of love or amor in this film. So what this film really captures super, super well is that first love feeling. There is such instant and insane chemistry between Darius and Nina. And that is a credit to the writing and also a credit to Lorenz Tate and Nia Long just being excellent top of their game actors. Um, It is uh, worth noting It is worth noting that not only is Lorenz really great at acting in this film, his body is a wonderland. Um, I know I talk a lot about the male body on this podcast um, and that they tend to be like muscular and chiseled and all that shit. I just want to set the record straight that I like men of all body types You know, I do not have the body type that I'm currently describing in Lorenz Tate, but, you know, it would be a stupid episode if I did not mention how hot he looks in this fucking movie. Um, Every time that he is shirtless, uh, the world stops. And uh, there is a point where Nina is talking to her best girlfriend, played by Lisa Nicole Carson, after the first time that Nina and Darius have sex. And Nina says, quote unquote, it was like his dick was talking to me. And ooh, ooh, ooh. Again, because Nia Long is such a good actor and this writing is so good. You know exactly what she means when she says that. And also, you know, because Lorenz is hot. But all that being said, if you don't know what she means when she says it was like his dick was talking to me, I want you to have that experience for yourself. I would also just like to note right now There may be some construction going on in the background, and that is something that I have no control over. Lo siento. So there's really nothing like the honeymoon phase, right? And they also capture that super well in this movie as well. Um, You know, there's such an excitement behind it. There's an excitement that kind of, you know, forces you or, you know, tempts you to pull out all the stops. Darius, I think, is definitely one of those people who wants to pull out all the stops and wants to impress a lady. And hey, I get it. I get it. When you're having your first couple dates, you are trying to curate. A a good date is curation, just like art. It is a curation. You have to know, you know, what are the stages? Uh, First of all, what are we doing? Are we going to multiple places? Are we doing... Dinner at one place, dessert at another place, drink somewhere else. Are we doing a movie? Are we catching a show? Like, the possibilities were endless. I'm going to say they're endless now because COVID-19, COVID-19 is ruining, ruining. 
everything. The government is a piece of shit. So your first date is with a mask. Probs on FaceTime or a Zoom if you're a profesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, it's kind of sad to see these great dates in this movie and to realize that actually going on a really great date is uh, such a distant thought, um, a thought that feels as far away as the planet formerly known as Pluto. Um, but there's a really cool date in here where they go swing dancing and it made me think that like, you know, in the future, 10 years from now when uh, COVID-19 is in the past and no longer an ESU, um, I want to explore more with like moving my body during a date. I feel like I tend to go to restaurants or movies or shows and we like sit, then we walk somewhere else and then we sit and then we walk somewhere else and then we sit. And we probably have sex. Um, that's probably the most active thing that we do the whole time that we date. Um, but swing dancing looks fun. Like, is this because I'm getting older than I think this? Or just because it's so well portrayed in this movie? I don't know. But, of course, that honeymoon feeling doesn't fucking stay there. It's not supposed to. It's not meant to. Um, it's just literally not meant to. So certain things come up, right? The first one on my mind being a, the gay Scorpio that I am is trust issues. Um, it's very hard to love again, even if the attraction is mutual. Once you've been burnt, you burnt. It's not a good feeling. It's, exhausting when you're at that point to think about the effort that it will take to get into another relationship and be in another relationship. It's really tough. And that is where Nina starts the film, you know, leaving that Stefan Urkel ass dude, um, leaving him behind and really not thinking that she wants to love again. And, you know, I've had my own trust issues in the past that have prevented me from pursuing relationships, Um, you know, trust issues that were real and founded and then also trust issues that I kind of like made up in my fucking head, which absolutely happens after you've been burned by someone. There are definitely uh, assumptions that we make in relationships um, when there are trust issues and there are certain things that they do in this movie in terms of, you know, self-sabotage, I would say, and the way that they kind of uh, eventually go at each other. One example being when Nina sees Darius with another woman, when they've broken up, Um, and sees her number on the foam core board. She, I think, accurately calls him out for still, you know, talking to this woman. Like, I do get that. Um, But the way that they both react to it, you can tell that it comes from a place of insecurity 
because the relationship is on shaky ground. Uh, it's not like they haven't broken up before. Like there is a past uh, and it is just really hard if you are not so secure in yourself and you have not grown up with that security through like how you were raised and how you were schooled. Like the number of people who can truly say that they lived that life without having to see a therapist or meditate or any of that shit. I think that you are, you're either lying or you are the hottest straight white man who is also intelligent as fuck and has money. That is how you don't get hurt in life. And even then, I'm sure there's some hot, rich, dumbass white dudes who are perfectly secure in themselves because that is the way society teaches them to be. Um, So it's really real to see that come up in this relationship. And there's also kind of an exhaustion of lying to yourself about how you feel, right? You know, um, there is uh, times in the beginning of their relationship and actually kind of all throughout their relationship where they're both kind of trying to just deny how much they love each other. And that is really so that you don't get hurt. I mean, those kinds of things that come up in terms of anxiety and such, those things were probably programmed into you when you were a child in order to protect yourself. I'm gonna get real real here for a second. And um, those are things that you can let go. You can acknowledge that they were there to protect you at a time and you can acknowledge that you don't need them anymore. Uh, It's tough to let go of those things, but I guess this relationship is a good example of how you can kind of do that together in a way. Um, There is a quote that Isaiah Washington says in this film when he's talking to um, Darius Lorenz Tate about his own relationship issues as a married man with a child. There's a part where he just says, I run around here jumping and hopping, skipping, diving, falling in love and shit. Falling in love ain't shit. Somebody talk to me, please, about how to stay there. Do I love my wife? Hell yes. Is she here? Hell no. Falling in love ain't shit. And I absolutely feel that. I have definitely been there sometimes as well. So you kind of ride these ups and downs with the couple in a really cool and interesting way. You know, once they do reestablish themselves, um, kind of seeing how their behaviors change, seeing like how attentive that Darius was to Nina, but he gets so sucked into his work. And then seeing Nina do shit like smoking cigarettes, which at the beginning of the film, Nina tells Darius to stop smoking cigarettes. And then she becomes the one who starts smoking. And you can kind of see this kind of depression that is waving over Nina. And it's so unlike her. And those behavior changes can definitely happen when you're close to another person and when you start like cohabitating. It's really, really hard. And you know, I do agree with uh, Isaiah Washington's character sometimes. 
Another thing about this couple is that, like, I want to know what their signs are. The whole time I was like, hmm, is their chart compatible? I kind of wonder, like, based on where they fall on the Zodiac, like, if this will work out, uh, you know? And, you know, I do believe in that shit about 85 to 90% of the time. Uh, But specifically for this couple, I was, like, really wondering. So, like, if y'all have any ideas of what Nina and Derek signs could be based on their behaviors let me know what you think um and speaking of isaiah washington's character and what he says there's something very important in this movie about uh friends advice that they give you about love and friends advice is something that we all super rely on when we're in a relationship or when we're trying to court somebody and it's very important to know when to listen to your friends and when to skip on their advice some really good advice that Darius gets early on the movie is to take the relationship slow and easy And that is some advice that I know that I could use personally. I am someone who gets kind of anxious that if I don't do certain things or work at a certain pace that I will lose this person. And I know I just have to like believe in myself and like believe in love and trust the other person. Um, But it's easier said than done. But I will say that I am more down with um, taking it slow because, you know, COVID is kind of forcing us to do that anyway. Um, Another interesting uh, friend thing in this movie is this interesting explanation that Isaiah Washington offers when uh, Nina is first hanging out with all the buddies, uh, all of Darius's buddies at the Jazz and Poetry Club. And Isaiah Washington has this theory that Uh, when your dick gets hard, that the blood specifically leaves your brain and your feet and goes to your dick. And that's so you can't think and you can't run uh, from a woman. Uh, It's a funny explanation. And of course, I translated that for, you know, being with a dude um, because I think the, the same thing applies the aspect of falling in love that you just, you lose your fucking mind. You absolutely lose your fucking mind. And in terms of friends as well in this movie, um, there is a section of the film in which Nina is no longer dating Darius, but she starts dating uh, Darius's friend Hollywood played by Bill Bellamy and this is a dude who is like such a clown he drives around on a hearse and like nobody takes him seriously but after a little bit of courting Nina does go out with him for a little bit and I identify with this character just a bit in terms of him being perceived as a clown, not taken seriously, and therefore not being seen as like a viable love object, but still getting to date the pretty person for even just a little bit. Where he fucks up is that he brings Nina to a party that Darius and all of his friends are at, kind of knowing that, like, really stupid move on uh, Bill Bellamy's part. And everyone looks at Nia Long like she's done something wrong. And like I said on a previous episode, Nia Long can do no wrong. Nia Long, Nia Long can do 
no wrong, me alone. So suffice to say, everyone pretty much hates Bill Bellamy's character after that. And another piece of advice that's given from a friend in this movie is another friend of Darius's. And near the end of the movie, he says, you know what? Love, it ain't supposed to make sense. And yeah, I get that. You know, I even fall into a pattern of wanting love to be something that's logical, but it's just not. It it just isn't. And I think the more you try to make sense of it, the more frustrating that it can be. Um, and I will say there is two great Hollywood tropes in this movie that are used very, very well. Very well. Uh, one of them is Darius running after a train that Nina is on when she's going to New York to uh, be a photographer for a magazine. Um, he doesn't end up catching up to her. And then also at the end, uh, the two of them kissing in the rain. Now listen, everyone wants to be kissed in the rain. And I personally also wouldn't mind a man running after me on the train. At least nowadays, I could have maybe seen him and texted him, or he can text me too to let me know that he was chasing a train after me. And I would be like, oh my God, how romantic. Um, But being kissed in the rain, I feel like that's everybody's fantasy. It's on everybody's list. And I'm not talking about a drizzle or a mist. I'm talking about pouring rain. And it makes me think in this scene, you know, will they actually last? Will Nina and Darius actually last and like stick it out, stick it through? Will they do a long distance relationship? I don't know. I mean, they go through so many ups and downs this movie that it's hard to say, but I think if they are more honest with themselves and with each other and communicate and just learn to grow and heal, uh, they can make it work because the attraction is mutual and you can see underneath all of the things that they're going through and saying to each other that they really do truly care about each other. So in conclusion, this is an amazing film that really digs in and explores love from all sides. It's not an easy thing, this love thing, and it doesn't fulfill you in all of the ways that you expect and when you expect it to. You know, this is actually one of the first times where I've actually identified with the male in a romance film. I also identified with uh, Nina as well, but there are so many moments where I was absolutely feeling Darius and what he was going through, and that's super rare for me. This film has a great soundtrack, uh, Sweetest Thing. I get mad when you walk away. By Lauren Hill so is on this soundtrack. When I of course, the title track, Love Jones. Wonderful performances in this film all around and a super dope and smart script about smart people. I love watching smart shit about smart people in a way that does not feel like it's talking down to anyone. This film and Losing Ground, which was the trust and believe, both do that excellently. Uh, Again, this film was not a box office hit, but it has gained a cult following over the years and is super popular in the black community. I highly recommend it. It is now streaming on HBO Max. All my life I had to fight. Yes, it's that time for You Better Act. 
Uh, the You Better Act Award, if you don't know, is an award that we give out every week on the show to a dope and incredible black performance that I love and I want to throw a big old spotlight on and tell y'all about. So this week's You Better Act Award goes to, drum roll please, Gugu Mbatha-Ra and San Junipero. San Junipero is a Black Mirror film about two women who keep finding each other throughout time, literally like throughout decades and shit. It is such a beautiful and complicated queer relationship explored between Gugu's character and a character named Yorkie, played very nicely by Mackenzie Davis, who is a reliable white actress. She shows up to work. And of course, this being Black Mirror, there is a sci-fi twist to this um, television film that I won't spoil for those who have not seen it yet, but it's really beautiful. It's really, it's it's a really heartwarming piece. Um, Again, love to see queer love, of course. And Gugu is one of those actors who is just so natural and effervescent and this was definitely a star making performance for her for audiences that had not seen uh, the films Bell or Beyond the Lights which Beyond the Lights is directed by Gina Prince by the Wood director of Love and Basketball so if you haven't seen the Beyond the Lights check it out Um, and this has a happy ending, which is not typical of Black Mirror at all. So San Junipero went on to win two Emmys, uh, one for Best Television Movie and one for Best Writing in a Television Movie. So it's really dope. It is super acclaimed. Um, we love Gugu on this show, uh, of course, having covered Fast Color in Episode 3. And... San Junipero is now streaming on Netflix as part of season three of Black Mirror. So some food for thought before we close. Has there been anyone in your love life that you let get away? Did you get them back? Did you want to? And how did you get them back? Uh, Hit us up on SFB Society. Comment on our Instagram at Adventures in Black Cinema. Thank you so much to the team behind the podcast, our audio engineer, Matt Mozzarella, our producer, Angie, and our executive producer, Miss Amanda Seals. Next week on Adventures in Black Cinema, we will be getting into the nitty gritty of a film called Little Woods. This is a hidden gem from last year, directed by Nia DaCosta, who directed the new Candyman film, which I'm very excited about. And Little Woods is now streaming on Hulu if you want to check it out before next week. All right, y'all. Stay safe, stay black, stay blessed. Thank you so much for tuning in and see y'all next week.
Oh, it's over. Great.